0: To God, and I believe it. I will not be conformed to the image of this world. I will be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Today, I'm taking another step toward God's plan, God's purpose, God's destiny for my life. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. If you believe that, shout Amen. Amen. Last week, we started a brand new series called Heart. Yeah, you do it better than me. Come on, everyone. Ready? Called? Some of you are like... Like me. Heart, the defining factor. And we discovered that throughout the Bible, there are at least 725 verses that deal with the heart alone. So the heart is a very important and main topic and subject throughout the Bible. In fact, when Jesus came to the earth, the whole reason he came is he, he didn't come to reestablish a bunch of rules or a set of regulations or rituals. Jesus came to recapture and to apprehend our hearts. He came to regain our hearts. Hearts that had been captivated by sin. Hearts that had been caught up in the flesh. Hearts that the enemy had destroyed. Jesus came to heal them, to make them whole, to restore them. Jesus came to capture and to renew our heart. How come? Because your heart physically and spiritually determines the the healthiness or unhealthiness of your heart. It is the determining factor of your life. Amen? If your heart is strong physically... Life is pretty good. But if your heart is weak, you're limited. You're held back from how you could truly live. And the same is true spiritually. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 12, 35. He said, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. See, your life is a reflection of what's in your heart. Your marriage is where it is because of what's in your heart regarding marriage. Your finances are in the condition they're in because of the deposits or the treasure that's in your heart. Why every year? Why do we make a big deal about Financial Peace University? Why do we have Hector commit to doing 13 weeks? Because we want to, tre- to, to change the treasure of our heart. Why? Because what is the treasure the world gives us? Get another credit card. Get another loan. Talk to me. Forget about paying your house early, off early. Get a second mortgage and free up the equity you have and go on vacation. Talk to me, somebody. So the world is constantly trying to deposit their message into our hearts. And so we want to counteract that with what does the word of God say? So we commit to 13 weeks of FPU and we see that we can get out of debt. We see that God can bless us so we can be a blessing. We see that, wow, we can pay our house off early. We see that, you know what, we can retire in dignity and not have to eat alpo. Talk to me, somebody. And so when we get that good treasure deposited in our hearts, then we what? We bring forth a good life. So what is in your heart regarding your health? See, some of you You were raised and cancer runs in your family. Maybe your great-grandmother had cancer and your grandmother had cancer and your mother had cancer. And so you fully expect also to get cancer. Because when you grew up, that's all you heard was this is in your family line. Now listen, you need to go to the doctor. You need to do everything you possibly can in the natural. If there's something in your family especially, you need to go get screened. You need to go get treated. You need to do everything within your power in the natural to to take care of yourself and to do due diligence. Amen? But I'm here to tell you, something's got to shift on the inside of your heart. you got to get the good treasure of God's word regarding your health and your healing in your heart. And then you'll bring forth a different family tree. Amen? And you can reverse that curse and you can break that from passing it on to your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids. Come on, talk to me, somebody. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. So the condition of your heart, that is the controlling factor of your life. Proverbs 14.30 says it this way. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. But jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Proverbs 15, 13. A glad heart makes a happy face. I guess that means a sad heart makes a grumpy one. Right? Hmm? But a broken spirit, I'm I'm sorry, but a a broken heart crushes a spirit. Proverbs 17:22, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. So we see. That the condition of your heart determines the quality of your life. And how you take care of your heart, physically and spiritually, it will decide how you live and how long you live. In Matthew 12, verse 33, Jesus said, A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever's in your heart determines what you say. Whatever's in your heart determines where you go. Whatever's in your heart determines the quality of your relationships. Whatever's in your heart determines how you live, where you go, what you do, and what you say. Whatever is in your heart determines the quality of your life. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. So that's why Proverbs 4.23 says to guard your heart above all else. Why? Because that determines the course of your life. See, here's the issue. Here's the problem. You're either going to have a healthy heart or an unhealthy heart. You're going to live life with a whole heart or a defective heart, spiritually speaking. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so there are a lot of people, even believers, who go through lives with an unhealthy heart. doesn't mean they don't love the Lord. It doesn't mean they don't love Jesus. But they never learn how to process the renewal that God provides for them. And so they never bring forth the level of life, that abundant life Jesus came to give them. Remember, last week we ended with Hebrews 11, where we talked about how Sarah... Now, Abraham is healed. Remember, Abraham was impotent. He didn't have the power to bring the promised son into the earth, but God healed him. But you know what? How many know it takes more than Abraham to bring forth a baby? He's, Sarah's got to cooperate, right? And so it doesn't matter how viral, uh, how you know, uh, how that word Virile, viral. how you say it, viril, v-i-r-i-l-e. Doesn't matter. How, it doesn't matter how much he gets it on, right? If Sarah is barren, she cannot receive the seed and produce the desired results. And so the Bible says in Hebrews 11, that Sarah herself, she by faith, she had to receive strength to conceive. See, this previous series, before we got into this message on the heart, we talked about how uh, you can discover the best way to live. And we discovered how you could be you are blessed to be a blessing. And being blessed means that God causes your life to move forward and your life will flow like a river. But you know what? That river flows out of your heart and so what happens and where many of us I think get frustrated and fall short is we know God has blessed us to be a blessing and we don't really experience it because God's blessings take place in our hearts but if our heart is unwhole, if our heart is sick, if our heart is unhealthy then like Sarah we may be receiving the seed but until we gain strength to contain it and to conceive it we'll never bring forth to fruition the promises of God that he has for us And that's why some of us, we go to church week after week, month after month, year after year, and we still, come on, we still never receive the the desired change that we want. Come on, that's why there's yo-yo dieting. Come on, how many besides me have more than one diet book on the shelf? Come on, talk to me, somebody, right? You bought that one, ah, that didn't work, so you bought the other one. Come on, how many have tried all the diet pills? Lipo, forget liposuction, take lipo. It works in your sleep. Whatever. Eat whatever you want and still lose weight. Now, you know they're full of crap when they say that. Talk to me, somebody. Huh? But we buy into that and we buy another book and we buy another bottle of pills. But I'm here to tell you, until something changes on the inside of your heart, you'll yo-yo diet and nothing will never permanently change. You'll get out of debt only to get back into debt. Hmm? You'll have a strong walk with God. You're serving, you're loving, you're giving, and then you fall right back into those patterns. What happens? Because when the pressure is removed, you go back to that autopilot that's in your heart. And if the treasure of your heart is not healthy, if the treasure of your heart is not debt-free, if the treasure of your heart is not healed so you can have strong, healthy relationships, then you're going to continue to bring forth the same until the condition of your heart changes. Amen? So your heart determines the quality of your life. Now here's the good news. You ready for some good news? The whole reason Jesus came was to give us a whole heart. The whole reason Jesus came into the earth was to heal and restore our hearts so that we could then bring forth the kind of life He came to give us. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to send forth as delivered those who are downtrodden bruised crushed and broken down by calamity So Jesus came to bring healing. Jesus came to bring wholeness. Jesus came to heal and to restore our hearts. So then we could bring forth out of those healed, healthy, whole hearts the kind of family, the kind of finances, the kind of health, the kind of life, that abundant life, that blessed life that he wants us to have. But how many know before we meet Jesus, before he's Lord of our lives, how many know that the heart of man is separated from God and it's consumed with sin, right? That's why he came. Look at, at Matthew fifteen eight. It describes that heart condition. It says this. It says, these people, Jesus is talking, these people draw near me with their mouths and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts hold off and are far away from me. Now notice these people, these aren't people who are on the outskirts and don't care anything about the house of God. How many know Jesus is talking to people in the church? He's talking about the religious people of his day. And he says, you know what, they talk a good talk. They draw near to me with their mouths. They honor me with their lips. In other words, they've learned the right things to say. But their hearts hold off. They're not completely engaged. They're not fully embracing who I am and what I want to do in their lives. They're far away from me. Matthew 15, verse 19 and 20, talking about the condition of the heart. Jesus said, out of the heart come evil thoughts, out of the heart comes murder, out of the heart comes adultery. Sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. The message says it's from the heart that we vomit up evil arguments. Murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, lies, and cussing. That's what pollutes. See, sometimes we look at someone and we've heard people say, Hey, forgive me, I've fallen into sin. How how many of you? We've seen that over the years, especially the last 20 years or so in the body of Christ, right? We've experienced it right here in this church, the previous two pastors. Okay? Forgive me, I've fallen into sin. But the reality is this. As a believer, you don't fall into sin. Something was going on in your heart way before you ever gave birth to it on the outside. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Talk to me, someone. Huh, we act like we were in the, you know, we were, you know, just out minding our own business, loving Jesus, and all of a sudden we were overwhelmed. No. Now, what happened is see, your heart started drifting somewhere, somehow, some way. Your heart started drifting away from the Lord. And you got to remember when your heart disengages from passionately pursuing the things of God, only evil can take his place. There is no substitute. And so we begin to fill it and compromise and try to fill it with other things. And then what happens? The right situation presents itself and we give in. But that's because that's what was deposited on the inside of your heart. Hmm? And so if you want to change the fruit of your life, you got to deal with the root of the heart. What's going on in your heart? And the good news is, is when you make Jesus Lord of your life, man, we just celebrated this outwardly with people getting water baptized. How many are glad when you get born again, you get a brand new heart? Huh? Talk to me. Yeah. Listen, Jesus, God, he doesn't just paint over the old one. Huh? In fact, he doesn't even sandblast the old paint off and then put a new coat on it, he totally demolishes the old. And he totally does a new reconstruction project on the inside of our hearts. Ezekiel 36 says it this way. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I, see, Jesus didn't come and he slaps on a coat of morality over the old us. Because I'm here to tell you, you can put a tuxedo on a pig, he's still going to go for the mud. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Right? Huh? Because that pig by nature is a pig and they like mud. So I don't care what you slap on the outside of him, still a pig. And he likes the mud. Amen? And so some of us, that's what we try to do. We try to slap on a new outside, a new exterior. And we put in rules. I'm going to diet and I'm not going to eat this and I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to. Huh? And we do okay for a while. But after we let go of control, your heart sees like automatic pilot. And when you let go of the control, it'll automatically go back to what it's inclined to. Hmm? Because that's what's in the heart. But God comes to give you a new heart. He says, I'll give you a new heart, put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your, your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I love the New Living. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. So now we have a heart that responds to God. When he says go, we go. And when he says no, we don't. Why? Because we have hearts that are responsive to him. Amen? Come on, how many have the propensity to be stubborn? Yeah, notice it's all women. Yeah, so guys, brothers, see, so when she's being stubborn, you just say, honey, have you been born again? Have you made Jesus Lord of your life, sweetheart? She goes, you know I have. Well, then didn't he remove your stubborn heart? And then run. Okay? The message says it this way. I love this. It says, I'll pour pure water over you and scrub you clean. I'll give you a new heart, put a new spirit in you. I'll remove the stone heart from your body and replace it with a heart that's God-willed, not self-willed. That's good, isn't it? See, the whole reason we got into this mess was because in the Garden of Eden, Adam, when it came to temptation at the tree, God told him not to eat of. What did he say? He ultimately said, God, not your will, my will be done. Give me that fruit, Eve. I'll smack on it with you. Hmm. I'll eat it with you. Not my will, not your will, God, but my will be done. Got us into this mess. Well, the second Adam, Jesus, shows up in a garden, getting ready to go to the tree, and he reversed it, and he said, "Father, not my will. I'm going to reverse what the first Adam." Should have got right. But I'm going to make it right. Not my will. Your will be done. And he reversed this whole process. huh? And then he comes and he lives in us by his spirit when we get born again and make him Lord of our lives. And he causes us to be God-willed instead of self-willed. And it goes on to say, I'll put my spirit in you. Watch And make it possible for you to do what I tell you and live by my commands. Oh, Pastor Todd, it is so hard to obey God. Really, are you saved? Think about it. Are you saved? Jesus removed all the excuses. Now listen, we all experience the onslaught of of temptation. Amen? Amen. But we act like the world in temptation and our flesh is greater than what Jesus did in us at the new birth. Talk to me, somebody. Huh? And at the new birth, God places his very own spirit on the inside of us. Jesus comes and takes residence on the inside of us. And now he lives his life through us. Amen? And so now he gives us the ability to do what God says. It's not hard to obey God. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. Life becomes hard. Life becomes difficult when you get away from what God says, not when you do what he says. Amen? In Colossians chapter 1, it says, he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and he transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom with his blood and forgave our sins. So I want you to notice that we've been transferred Out of the kingdom of darkness where? Into the kingdom of his dear son. So we got a transfer out of the kingdom of darkness and we've been transferred where? Into where? The kingdom of his dear son. So we've been transferred into a new kingdom. Amen? Now watch this. Luke chapter 17 verse 20. Asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied to them by saying, The kingdom of God does not come with signs to be observed or with visible display. Nor will people say, Look, here it is, or see, it is there. For behold, the kingdom of God is where? Within you, in your hearts. Hearts. So not only have we been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, but his kingdom has also been transferred into us. So not only are we in the kingdom, his kingdom is in us. It's in our hearts. And listen, kingdom is just a simple word. It's an abbreviation for the king's domain. Kingdom, the king's Domain. What is a domain? The domain is where the king has come in, conquered enemy territory, put in his flag, and said, this area is mine, and I rule, and I reign here now, and you have to get out. Amen? And when Jesus came into our life, he set his flag on the inside of our, his banner over us is love, and he put his flag in the center of our heart. And he said, you know what? I've conquered this heart. This heart belongs to me. I've scrubbed it clean. I've made it new. And now this is my domain. Huh? And now he lives. On the inside of you and me. And so now we understand when Jesus said, pray this way. Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray like God's kingdom and will is like something up there that's going to fall out of the sky. Like ripe cherries from a tree. And I'm here to say, tell you, when you wake up in the morning, your eyes open. And you put that foot on the bed floor. And you begin to step up. Guess what? Kingdom just came. Kingdom just came, baby. Will of God was just now being done. Come on, talk to me talk to me and see that's why we got to understand this about our hearts because this kingdom is in your heart and God wants to express his kingdom and who he is and what he's all about to a lost world but what happens if he can keep us unrenewed if he can keep us ignorant of who we are in him if he can keep us contained then we just kind of show up and I'm just trying to get out of debt and I'm trying to get healthy and keep my marriage together and you know church helps me some and I just get a little bit to get me. Me through another week are you, king, are you kidding me the kingdom is on the inside of you do you understand that ah! his kingdom kingdom come will be done his kingdom is in you man when you wake up tomorrow morning you ought to bite the head off a nail You ought to eat bolts and washers for breakfast. I am not weak. You are not struggling. You are not a victim. His kingdom is in you. And work, I just so, And you don't understand. All these people, the king is in you. You know, I just, I just, I just. The king is in you. Live like it. Walk like it. Talk like it. And so what happens is, and that kingdom wants to find this expression through us. And so what happens? And then he keeps us ignorant. He keeps us beat down. He keeps us unrenewed. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's all I am. I'm just a sinner. You were a sinner. You were saved by grace. Now you're the righteousness of God in Christ. His kingdom, not only did he transfer you out of the kingdom of darkness and put you in a new kingdom, then he took that kingdom and he put the kingdom in you. And now he wants to express it through who you are. And what you do and what you say and how you build your marriage and how you raise your kids and how you pay your bills and how you handle your money and take care of your body and go through life. He wants to, your life to be an expression of his kingdom. But if our hearts aren't healthy, because the kingdom of God was, is within you, the kingdom of God is in your So if your heart's not healthy, how can we adequately express the kingdom? We've got to get a healthy heart. Next week, but I'm going to give you one. I have right here. This is this year's checkup. This is a blood test. Life's in the blood. And every year I get a test. My doctor Galen Foley, who's a member of this church, she orders a full lipid profile. This year she added one. I won't tell you which one. One to check, make sure everything's all right. And it is. But this test reveals, you know, it's cholesterol and triglycerides, the level of fat in your body. What really matters, though, is this last page where her personal notes are here re- reading and, uh, and giving me just the summary of the test. And that's all that really matters. And it says right here. What's, it, what's that say right there, JB? Just read it real loud. That's great. says what? Great. Great! <laughs> cholesterol is really good really good yeah baby hdls are high that's the good stuff good cholesterol eat those avocados like good fat and ldls are low that means stay away from the fries the bad fat eat more avocados eat less fries good job but the reason i do that is because this is a picture this is a profile of my health and I do this every year and I take it out and I compare it to the previous year to see if my cholesterol has changed any, to see if I've gained any more fat from the previous year and I'm glad Shelly's not here to comment on that. <laughs> but I do it every year as a benchmark to, to, to manage our health, my health. Well, you know what? In the same way the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5 that we're to examine and test and evaluate our own selves. Not only physically, but we should be doing this spiritually. We should test. We should evaluate. When's the last time you did a spiritual checkup? You did a heart check, spiritually. Because what happens if you're not careful? The Bible talks about a root of bitterness creeping in your heart, and it defiles the many. You find yourself ticked off more than you normally are. You better, you better check yourself out. What's that saying? You better check yourself before you, before you wreck yourself. Right? <coughs> Examine and test and evaluate your own selves to see whether you are holding to your faith. Watch. And showing the proper fruits of it. See, I want to know, am I showing the proper fruits? Because how many know you can look good. You can actually be healthy and in your desired weight. And still have high cholesterol. Be a ticking time bomb, and you don't even know it. You look good on the outside. And you can have someone else who has a little extra padding. We like the extra padding. Huh? It makes you a lot happier than the diet freak. Right? But you know what? You can have a little extra padding. And your cholesterol's fine. All your levels are fine. And so you get this result because you want to make sure, am I showing the proper fruits of it? So you need to look at your life. Am I showing the proper fruits? It reminded me of something funny. Shelly's playing tennis, and she's her partner she's playing with, she's in her 50s. And you would never guess it because she's in great shape and plays great tennis. And uh, so it's funny, and she was entering in a conversation yesterday, speaking of extra padding. I don't know why this reminded me of it. But uh, she was having a conversation. She says, you know what? Do you guys know how hard it is to keep this butt this size and I did what any wise man would do. He's saying a thing. You know. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Do you know how much work this takes to keep this butt this size? Hmm? So you got to show the... I don't know why I said that. I just thought it was funny. So you got to show the proper fruits. Okay? So I'm going to give you one. And we'll close here because we're out of time. Here's the characteristics of an unhealthy heart. Okay? You can test yourself. Number one spiritually weak, no sense of faith in God or confidence in a heavenly father. An unhealthy heart is one that is spiritually weak. There's no sense of faith in God or confidence in a heavenly father. See, in our present-day Christianity, we can get more excited about Jesus than we do our heavenly father. It's like we have this idea that Jesus is our bro. You know, Jesus, we're cool with him. He's the savior, and he's kind of standing in the way between a ticked off heavenly father. And see you're never going to experience. Life in all its fullness. Unless you adjust your heart. And you embrace through a revelation of who he really is. A relationship with God as your father. Because Jesus said if you've seen me you've. You've seen the father. Jesus went about doing good. Good. And healing all who are oppressed of the devil. But if we weren't raised in a good home. If we weren't raised with a good dad. If our dad ran out on us. We resist the idea of a relationship with the father. Because something in our hearts says fathers are not trustworthy. But I'm here to tell you. You got to get that healed and whole. Because until we relate to the heavenly father. We won't receive all that God has for us. I didn't say you wouldn't be saved. I didn't say you wouldn't make heaven. I'm just saying on this planet. You're never going to receive and, and manifest and display all that he has for you unless you learn to see him and relate to him as your heavenly father. And you've got to remember the whole reason Jesus came was to restore us into a right relationship with uh, father. You hear me all the time when I pray. I don't pray to Jesus. I pray to my father in the name of Jesus. But I pray every time you hear me pray. I don't say, "Oh Jesus, Oh Lord," I say, "Father." Why? Because that's how Jesus prayed. In fact, when Jesus was here on the earth, he said, "You know what? The day is coming. What day? The day when he was going to the cross." He said, and "The day's coming." And he's telling his disciples, "You're not going to ask me anything." That's what he said. It's in the Gospel of John. "The day's coming. You're not going to ask me anything, but instead, you're going to ask the Father directly yourself." And he will give you whatever you ask because you ask in my name. In other words, the day's coming when I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to restore you guys into the same relationships with the Father that I have. And just like he always hears me when I pray, he will always hear you when you pray. Are you with me, church? Listen, there's nine other characteristics of an unhealthy heart. We'll pick it up there next week. Did you learn something today? Amen. Thank you so much for coming. Amen. Yeah, give the Lord a shout of praise. Amen. Listen, every head bowed and every eye closed. And everyone praying for those around you, those of you watching us on the internet.